I know it's horrible to tear you away from your chatting. I'm sorry for that, but um, good morning. Um, uh, did I get a good morning back there? Good morning. Brilliant, excellent. So um, I think I know most of you, those of you who don't know me, my name is Elaine Fugard, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving on the senior leadership team uh, here at CAG Fergus Vineyard with, um, I suppose I have to say, my better other half and a student, uh, Steela Limelight. Um, before I start into my talk, I just want to say something about our worshipers, the guys that come every Sunday morning and lead you in worship. And in my heart when I was worshiping there, you know, the word unsung heroes came to mind. Those guys come to lead us into the presence of God every Sunday morning faithfully here early. Most of us are still in our bed, fast asleep. And uh, I just felt that I wanted to honor them this morning as well. And I'm going to go on to honor lots of people as we go on. Um, but I just wanted to share that because it just really felt it. Wasn't that worship amazing? Amazing. Um, celebration. Do you like the hall? <laughs> and our banner. And the, I suppose I have to give the cake. David Abram, who are the, the cake. Did you see the cake? Pretty amazing, isn't it? Our, this morning is all about celebration. And it's something that in our everyday lives we've become quite good at and quite inept at, haven't we? We celebrate all kinds of things. For instance, where's the football fans? Come on, own up. Football fans, where are you? Footballers who score a goal. It has now become an art to develop your own little dance or jig or whatever it is, isn't it, in celebration of this goal. And they run around the field like mad things celebrating the goal, don't they? Don't they? Yeah? Or another celebration, and of course, we do it all the time here, don't we? When the Green Army beat the English at rugby. Sorry, I had to do it. Whoa, 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 whoa. But we celebrate lots of things, and there's lots of things in life um, that, you know, we're great at celebrating. I suppose I had a question when I was preparing this, this, this uh, message and when I was looking at this. Do we intentionally take the time to celebrate in church? Do we on purpose set aside time to celebrate in church? And for me, when I looked at all those things that, you know, in life, like, like all those things I said, like weddings, like special birthdays, it's really strange how much we celebrate them because they're very based on circumstances, aren't they? Paul wasn't celebrating in the Six Nations. They're based on whether you're happy with what the circumstances that have happened. They're based on happiness. For instance, big birthdays. One of my friends has a big birthday this week. If I say who it is, she'll kill me. But there's a hint. It's a girl. Um, but I celebrated that big birthday quite a few years ago, unfortunately. And I had an amazing time celebrating, and I didn't mind celebrating that. But my next big birthday, and don't be asking me what it is because I'm a lady, I don't think I'll be celebrating as much. Why? Because I don't think I'll be as happy about the circumstances. But when you think about celebrating in church, when you think about celebrating in God's presence, it's based on a whole different thing. It's based on a thing called joy. Something that's not based on circumstances, something that's not based, goes way beyond happiness. It's nothing to do with happiness. But it's a God-given gift. It's not based on our circumstances. It's a gift that God gives us. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to have a look this morning at an amazing leader in the Old Testament who took the time out to celebrate joyfully. 
the works of the people that he led. And the story is found in the Old Testament, and it's a book of Nehemiah. And if you haven't read the book of Nehemiah, can I encourage you to read it? It is an amazing little book where you will get such, if you lead a team in our church, read Nehemiah. Um, because there's such richness in it um, to learn from it. Um, and this book, of course, is written by its namesake, a bit of background on it. Um, and uh, it's written in the first person. So it's a pretty easy book to read because it's like Nehemiah sitting telling us the story on a first-hand account of what happened. And what I want to do this morning is I just want to take a run-through. I'm not going to, you won't go read the whole book, but I'm going to take you on a journey of the story through a few chapters of the book of Nehemiah. And then we're going to pick up on a few verses um, towards the end of the book. Now, what's going to happen then, you'll be glad to know it's going to be a shorter talk this morning, not as long as Paul's, uh, so great. Um, but the kids are going to come back in, and we're going to be a family to that, and we're going to um, do a bit different, and the kids are going to be in with us for the second half of the, um, the service this morning. But Nehemiah, who was he? Nehemiah wasn't a priest, he wasn't a prophet. What was he? He was a man who loved God and all of God's ways passionately. And what he also was, was an amazing, inspiring leader. He had an amazing ability to rally people, envision them, and move them into action. And I'm going to start chapter one. In chapter one, we meet Nehemiah. And when we first meet Nehemiah, what I call it is his Popeye moment. Who remembers Popeye? Who's too young for Popeye? <laughs> Johnny, put your arm down. He had his Popeye moment. And what I call that is, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Do you remember that? Yeah, with olive oil? He had a holy discontent moment. And what it, what it happened was, um, his brothers from the city of Jerusalem had come back and they told him the stories of the town that he loved. He learned that the city of Jerusalem, that the walls were in ruins, that the gates had been burnt down, and all of the community that he loved passionately had been dispersed from that city. He was distraught. The city that he knew and he loved had gone. It wasn't as he'd known it. Now, what did Popeye do in his, I, that's all I can stand, I can't stand no more. Do you remember? This spinach, so Popeye went to his tennis spinach and he cracked up the tennis spinach and that was his superpower. Nehemiah didn't need a tennis spinach. He knew where his power came from and he sought God. And if you read at the end of chapter, in chapter one, and you read his prayers to God, he passionately, with all the desire that was within him, cried out to God for his city. He couldn't stand it anymore. And he said to God, I have to do something. Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you? Where you've seen it on TV, or somebody's been speaking from the front here or something, and you think, I can't stand that anymore. I have to do something. I have to do anything. I don't really know how I'm going to do it, but I have to do it. And that's where Nehemiah was. And he boldly asked God for favor. So wonderful. He boldly said to God, I know I need to do this, and I know you need to give me the favor to do it. Because at that time, he worked uh, he had a prestigious job in the, in the royal courts and he worked for a king. This is where I test whether I get his name right. Artaxerxes. Johnny's putting thumbs up, so I've got it right. And he was a cupbearer to the king. Now, it was quite a prestigious kind of job. 
Um, if you've ever watched uh, Bodyguard, where Kevin Costner protected and jumped and took a bullet in front of Whitney Houston, um, or close protection to the president, it was kind of like that. Only in they, those days, it wasn't so much taking a bullet, it was taking the poison that was in the food. So it was a very high up kind of position. Um, but still the king was somebody to be feared. But didn't put Nehemiah off. He found, asked God for favor. He went and asked the king. He poured out his heart about the passion and desire for the city that needed to be rebuilt and restored and redeemed. And the king sent them. Now you can't get much higher than the king's favor. And then it leads on in chapter 2, and we see um, that Nehemiah has gone into the town. He's done like a surveillance and went round and seen the walls. And in chapter 2, there's this amazing time where Nehemiah casts undoubtable vision to the people, telling them all about God's favor on him, telling them all about his plan and his passion and his desire to rebuild these walls. Now, what I want you to bear in mind when I talk about this vision that he gave um, it wasn't small. It wasn't a wee tiny vision. And I want you to understand what it was he was asking the people to do. Uh, because the city of Jerusalem, um, the old city of Jerusalem, the walls were approximately two and a half miles long. Okay? They had 34 watchtowers in those walls, and they had eight gates that surrounded the city. The walls were approximately 12 meters high and two and a half meters thick. Okay, so take a minute to think about it. They didn't have cranes. They didn't have, uh, you know, lifting, heavy lifting machine. They didn't have diggers. They didn't have any of that. The vision was big. The vision was bold. And in fact, we could go as more to say it was enormous. But you see, the thing is that Nehemiah knew what it was about. And it was about rebuilding, restoring, and redeeming. You see, the walls were just the starting point because Nehemiah knew there's so much more for this city. But he knew he had to start somewhere. He knew the walls were the thing that would give the people the confidence and the protection to be able to go on to what was much more to be done in that city. Rebuilding, restoring, and redeeming. God's key businesses. In the book of Nehemiah, in Carrickfergus Vineyard and in Carrickfergus Town. Our vision. Rebuild, restore, and redeem. And then if we move on to chapter three of the book, um, I love, and if you read that, it's an amazing account of how every single person in the town played their part. And it gives you the stories of how um, people in their houses and their houses, and they built their bit beside the wall. And the next person in their business, they built the bit beside their business. And the next person, the next person, the next person. Nehemiah got everybody all in. There was nobody left out. Everybody was included. He got everybody to bring what they had to the table and play a part in the rebuilding of these walls. And it's kind of, I suppose it's what Paul and Chance have really truly in, in, ingrained into our church, and it's everyone gets the play. You've all heard that, right? You all know that. And I love it about our church. No matter who you are, no matter what you bring, no matter what you can do, there's a piece of the wall for you to build in the vision that's been given to us in Carrickfergus. Fergus. Every single one of you. 
And when you build that bit of the wall, it builds the kingdom here in Carrick. Because that's what our vision is about, isn't it? Building God's kingdom in our town. Because you see, really, if you think about building a wall, and I'm not really, I had a couple of uncles that were builders, so, um, although I'm not handy myself, but I know kind of, and I used to watch them, and it takes lots of different people, doesn't it? You have to have somebody to mix the cement, you have to have somebody to carry the bricks, poor person carrying the bricks. You have to have somebody who plans what way the wall will go. You have to have somebody who measures it out and has it all to them. You have to have then somebody who cuts the bricks, and then somebody who puts them all together. It's about a team. It's about everyone having a purpose, and it's about everyone's purpose and part being as important as the other person. Nehemiah loved this city, and he wanted to see the city restored, redeemed, and rebuilt. Given getting everyone all in began to build a community where everyone felt needed, everyone felt belonged, and everyone felt that what they did was important. Everyone served. And that's what serving achieves. It brings a community where everybody feels that they're part of. And what I want to do is, I just want to take you then to the end of, towards the end in chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can wallow up with me. I'm not going to read all of it. Um, I'm just going to pick out a few verses. That's why I have to get these on. Because you can't see, I have to get a Bible with bigger text. Um, but when you jump to, to uh, chapter 12 and verse 27... The walls and the gates have been restored. So it wasn't an easy path. And if you read the book, you'll be able to see it. There was lots of uh, opposition, both from internally and externally. There was lots of threats of violence against um, the people of Jerusalem. But despite that, this vision that Nehemiah knew God was big enough to equip the people to do was achieved in 52 days. 52 days. It would seem like a hard challenge now with all the machinery we have, isn't it? But 52 days. And what I want to have a look at as, as I come into the end of this is, what did Nehemiah do then? Did he sit back, have a cup of tea, and say, great, my work's done? No, what Nehemiah did was throw a party. Nehemiah chose to celebrate a job done and completed in honor of God with all of the people who took part. And if you just pick it up on verse 27, I'm just going to read a wee bit. Uh, so from there. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived, and they were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs and thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the singers were all brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages. And it goes on to explain where they're all brought from. But I just want to pull one thing out from there. Why did Nehemiah tell us that he invited the Levites. And I think it's quite a, an important thing in the celebration that he chose to do. The Levites were part of a tribe, the tribe of Israel, um, but they were a people who were set apart, the Bible tells us. Um, and they were set apart for a special purpose, and that was in the temple. And one of the special purposes that they um, were set for was to enhance the worship in the temple. So these guys coming to lead worship in this celebration were kind of, let me see, so, uh, like the Beatles. <laughs> so to the Jewish people, these people were way up there. They were, you know, aspired worship leaders. So it meant a lot um, to them and it had real relevance um, in that. And if we wanted to compare them, they're like our amazing worship team that we had this morning. Nehemiah 
pulled out the big guns when it came to celebrating what the people had done. And if you follow on, and I want to jump to chat to verse 30, Nehemiah talks about how he, the leaders got up on top of the wall and the choirs joined the leaders on the wall and he split them into two sections. And one set of leaders and choirs went one way on the wall and the other went the opposite way. And they walked along the top of the walls. And when you think about it, it was quite, a quite strange thing to do. Why did you do that, Nehemiah? Why did you not pitch up camp in the middle of Jerusalem, in the center square, you know, put a few chairs out and do a celebration? Why did they choose to walk the walls? I believe they choose to walk the walls so that they could honor every single person's contribution. If you think about the story back in chapter 3, it talks about how each person built his section of the wall beside his house, beside his business. And Nehemiah chose to celebrate every single inch of that wall that was built. And along with that, every single volunteer, every single person who served to build every bit of that wall. That was his purpose in walking the walls. He chose to celebrate and mark what the people had done. And when you think about Nehemiah, this is the way I kind of see him. Nehemiah saw the people. He invited them all in. And most importantly, he showed them how their part had a vital role in the vision of success in this purpose. He knew how to celebrate their their commitment with joy. And guys, that's what we want to do this morning. We want to be Nehemiah. We've chosen to be Nehemiah this morning. Hi, the kids are going to come in. (laughs) Not that way. Um, And what we want to do is, um, I stand here, guys, representing all of the senior leadership team. (laughs) You're a strange man, Paul, they won't come. All right, mommy's there now. The Jillian's there. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And what we want to do is I do stand here representing the senior leadership team um, of the church. And we want to walk every area of service, every area of ministry, every team, every volunteer in celebrating your unique contribution to Carrick Fergus Vineyard. We have over 100 volunteers on our Rota system Um, which is amazing. And in all of our teams, and I'm not going to attempt, I I hope I don't leave any out, we have a worship team, we have a welcome team, we have a sound team, we have a a visual team, we have a setup team, we have a cafe team, we have all of the kids teams, we have the youth team. Have I left anybody out? That's just Sunday. That's just Sunday. Then whenever you go on through the week, we have people who are volunteering to lead life groups and work in them. We have people who are volunteering in community programs like CAP, like diversity, uh, like the food bank, and many, many, many more. And if I've forgotten anybody, I really apologize. The kids are coming in, so just let them come in. What we want to celebrate this morning is your vital part and role that you play in this big vision that God has given us to redeem, rebuild, and restore Carrick Fergus. So 
We've got a bit of a different thing going on this morning. The kids are going to come in, and the guys are getting the video presentation ready. And what I wanted... No, not, no, not that one. Uh, what I wanted to do was probably to try and communicate to you this morning what Nehemiah communicated to his um, people. And it was for you to see how important the part that you play in our church is um, and to see what impact it has in people's lives. So the kids are just going to come in. You can see when the kids come in, we're a, we're a big church to start with, but we're a very big church. Brilliant. Welcome, Rockets. Welcome, Sparklers and Gems. It's great to have you in big church. Say hello to all your mums and dads. Hi. Okay, so... When we looked at Nehemiah, what I really wanted to pull out was um, how he made everybody's unique contribution, how he made them know it was really important. Um, and I thought, what way can we do that? So what we've done is, with the help of um, Dean, I don't know where he is, take a big bow. Dean is our resident producer, cameraman, he's amazing. Um, and he had the irritating uh, thing of having me as a really poorly qualified uh, like not a clue director, uh, so he's very patient with me. And if you've seen us last week, we, were, we did a video. Um, and whenever we started doing this video, my ambition was for you to, one, see how your service in our church impacts other lives, and two, to see how serving in our church has changed people's lives for the better. Senate team, no, we couldn't run church on a Sunday morning. They're one of the first groups to arrive and they do all the stuff that people don't see, but they put out the seats. And if you didn't have a seat, you'd be a bit worried. Number two, they've got a special team coming on board that if you want a comfy seat, you can ask and request that as well. Hello, uh, I'm Victor, and this is Mildred. Um, we have been coming to Vineyard now for about a year. Married for about 41. 41, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's been a great experience actually coming here. Coming through the door for the first time, great to see people who actually uh, are smiling and welcoming you. The sweets, not too sure about those in terms of my weight. But, yeah, uh, we, re we really appreciated the welcome from the very beginning. You just came in through the doors and the freedom within the service just to be yourself was really important to us and just to feel God's presence and the fellowship 
between each other really developed when we moved into the, the coffee area, which was great. Just a relaxed setting where people served us and we got to talk over tea, round tables, over tea and coffee and share what had been happening in our lives, in their lives and possibly what had been spoken about that morning. So for that reason the two of us then decided wouldn't it be nice to help serve and let others experience what we have experienced and we've thoroughly enjoyed having that opportunity to do that. Yeah. It seems things, good things happen over food. Uh, and that time at the end where you can just chill out and have your donut, have your cup of coffee. Uh, really great time just to catch up with people and meet some new people uh, for the first time. And serving with others on the team has been really beneficial as well, getting to know those whom we work with. So we've really, really enjoyed that and would encourage other people to participate in the same way. I recently joined the sound team. Uh, why did I join the sound team? Uh, well, I've been coming to Carrick Ferris Vineyard for a number of years, in fact from the very first night um, and in the early days I, I did serve um, from a creative perspective developing the church's brand if you like um, and due to work commitments I took a step back but I never actually re-engaged in terms of serving um, and before long I found myself sitting at the back enjoying the fruits of everyone else's labour um, and not re-engaging in church whatsoever and completely distanced myself from the church community. Um, it wasn't until the church weekend that God, I think, really connected with me and it was a very, very insignificant instance happened um, whenever everybody was leaving on the Sunday and we're walking past the worship team and I just happened to notice that they were struggling um, to pack everything away and I, th I think you know it was just that spark um, when I volunteered um, to help out Phil and Berger and uh, the other guys um, just it was a very very simple gesture but later that day God spoke to me and said you need to get back into serving um, and I did, um, and rather than wait to be asked, I texted them um, and volunteered my services. Um, I also play guitar very, very badly, so I thought I might actually learn a thing or two from these guys, from a selfish point of view. Since serving, what has it made? What, what difference has it made to me personally? Often you'll hear Paul and Chantel quote, at Vineyard we all get to play. Until very, very recently, despite being here since day one, um, I've never understood the significance, the importance, or indeed the great privilege it is to serve, um, not just this church community, but God himself. Um, and interestingly, I mean, it just goes to prove God has a sense of humor. Um, I have uh, signed up for um, the prophetic ministry life group which people who know me literally fell off the seat when they heard that I did this, when I joined this, this group, because um, it's so unlike me. But I just know that God on that Sunday has dropped the pebble and the ripples are spilling out. Um, so for me personally, I'm excited to see um, what God has planned for me. Um, but it all starts with an open servant-like heart. Emily, I am 15 years old and I am part of Carrick Vineyard and have been for a few years now. 
Hello, I'm Harry and I'm 15 and I've been coming to the vineyard since the start. I think it's great to have youth because it's somewhere to go, it's safe and comfortable and generally quite friendly people and we also have a lot of fun games and food. Yeah, it's really encouraging to hear other people's stories from the youth so you can be encouraged to do your own thing within school. Youth helps me to grow as a Christian because it's really encouraging to hear what everyone else has to say on what they do in school and it helps me grow in my faith because then I am able to share my faith with other people easier. And, um, and for me, youth helps me because throughout school and throughout general life I can share my faith very easily with more confidence and generally quite happy smile on my face. because worship means everything to me. Um, in Rockets we learn about the Holy Spirit and uh, we learn how to worship, we learn how to help the poor and heal the sick and we have fun. safe place for all the little ones to play and they do a lot of activities and they learn about Jesus and we sing, we clap, we, what else do we do? just been incredible. I have a child in each area, um, Sparklers, Gems and Rockets. Um, and the kids ministry has not only provided somewhere for my children to have fellowship and friendship, but I have seen in the situation that I've come from, um, my children being ministered to and being able to minister to others as well, including myself. So I don't know whether I'm meant to say it, but I want to say this, a massive thank you to everybody that's involved. Um, you have no idea the impact that you've had in my life and in my children's lives. Because you volunteer to serve, we build another bit of the wall that is God's great vision for redeeming and restoring our town. Because you serve, you enable people to choose God, to grow in Him, to step into all that He has for them. You impact lives for Him in all sorts of ways, directly and indirectly, from teaching to hospitality, 
from worship to setup, and in many, many other ways. But it also changes you. You become part of something. You are involved. You belong. You grow and you feel accomplished. You're doing what God intended you to do, working together as part of a body. This morning, volunteers of Carrick Fergus Vineyard, we celebrate you and all that you do. This is really, really easy for me and very, very brief. It, it feels like the, the groom's speech at the wedding. It's simply just to say thank you. Um, it, all of this is the Jesus way, isn't it? Jesus who says, you know, if you want to find your life, you've got to give it away. You've got to lay it down for others. The Jesus way was to wash the disciples' feet, to be who he was and to make himself low, to, to serve others, to give his life away. And it's so much a part of being a follower of Jesus, isn't it? And uh, so from our point of view, we want to just communicate just simply, thank you so much. You do it as worship to him first, but you do it because you find life as you do it, but you also do it to facilitate and bless other people as well. So thank you. Um, we started the church because we wanted people to be able to meet with God, to find hope and to give that away. And the greatest joy for Paul and I is to see people's lives change because of Jesus, to be able to look around the room and whether we know your whole story, part of it, or you've told someone else to know that everyone has a story of God impacting their life. And I just want to read a verse from 1 Thessalonians, which sums it up for me. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. You guys are our glory and our joy to see your lives change. And without loads of you volunteering, that wouldn't be possible. So I just want to say thank you as well. Um, the guys in the senior leadership team are going to come up because we want to honour you guys. Um, and Steve's going to come up in the back. Um, and there's going to be a slide coming up here. Guys, this is about us saying thank you to you. Um, because you volunteer, because you serve, we can do what we do. Um, and I think we're going to, the slide's going to hit. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you, guys. What, guys, you want to grab a seat? Will, they, will the smoke alarm go off? Be all right. Don't touch them, children. <laughs> You'll get a bit of the cake later. Okay, fantastic. Brilliant. I love it. Um, but the story of Nehemiah didn't uh, finish there, and the worship guys are going to come up. Um, and I just think it's, you know, I'm so excited about This is going to be my favorite part of the service because our kids are in with us and we're going to celebrate as a family. Because in that story of Nehemiah, what happened at the end of that chapter was the choirs, the leaders, the people, the children, the women, absolutely everybody embarked into the temple. 
And what did they do? They raised the roof of the temple with worship and praise. So guys, that's what we're going to do as a family. We're going to finish off this service with a couple of worship songs to give God all the glory, the worship and praise together. Father, we thank you that when we celebrate, it's not based on circumstances or happiness. When we celebrate, it is based on the joy that comes from you and you alone. So Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we just worship you and say you are the center of all things. Amen. Amen. Guys, that's our service officially finished. That beautiful cake made by David Abrahams will be in the cafe. Can the kids just go to their parents now? Um, they're not going back. Um, but also, could we have a couple of volunteers? Um, the, ca- the kids workers this morning are going to stay for coffee now. And if we could have a couple of people to volunteer to go up later on with them and help them pack down just to save a time, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, have a wonderful rest of Sunday. And thank you.